Hello, listeners. This podcast is supported by sponsors who provide services which could be useful for you. And today I have a new sponsor to tell you about, and that is Cambly. Cambly, that's spelled C-A-M-B-L-Y, Cambly. So this is another service that you can use to have conversations and English lessons with native English speakers online. It's similar to italki, in that it's another very convenient way to find teachers or speaking partners and then have regular conversations or lessons online based on your schedule and your needs, wherever you are. But it's different to italki in a few ways. First of all, no reservations are necessary. You can essentially jump into a conversation with Cambly whenever you want. No need to book in advance, although you can do that too. But essentially, it's English conversation whenever and wherever you want at your fingertips. Also, there's no need to use Skype or Zoom or any other software like that because all the video calls are handled by the Cambly app, which is available for your computer and also for iOS and Android devices. It's all done in the app. Just download the app, sign in, and the rest is done right there in the app. Also, Cambly's pricing is competitive and they have an offer for you. They are offering all of my listeners 10 free minutes of talking time. And that's 10 minutes that you can use at any time without reservation. So right there, you've basically got 10 minutes of free conversation time with a native speaker. It's just there. It's yours for the taking. To get your 10 minutes and to find out more about Cambly which is a well-established company, already very big in some places like Japan. Uh, it's a very professional and proper service. You get a certificate at the end of your course and all of that stuff. Uh, but to get all the details and to get your free 10 minutes, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly. Let me just remind you of how to, how to spell that. C-A-M-B-L-Y. So teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly. And when it's time to use an ambassador code, uh, you need to use my code. Uh, so that's the code is Teacher Luke. Teacher Luke. Just like my website, T A E C H E R Luke. That's L U K E. Luke, not luck. Okay. If, you've, if you're writing Teacher Luck, that's not going to work. Someone's going to write Teacher Luck. I just know it. Teacher Luke, just like my website, that's the code you need to use at checkout. That's the ambassador code that you need to use because I'm an ambassador, you see. Yeah, so I feel important and, and posh because I'm, I'm an ambassador. Hmm. Anyway, uh, teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly and then use my code teacherluke at checkout. That's how you get your 10 minutes. Okay, so there you go. New sponsor, Cambly, another good, reliable source of conversation and lessons, competitive pricing, and 10 free minutes of conversation, which you can use without reservation whenever you want, starting now. Teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly, and use the ambassador code TeacherLuke. Okay, nice one. Here's the episode then, and here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there and welcome to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? How's podcast land at the moment? What's going on? Hope you're doing all right. Here's a new episode. And this one is all about the importance of listening in the learning of English. It's full of various thoughts 
and reflections about this topic. And my aim, to a large extent, is to give you ideas and inspiration to help you keep learning through listening and to keep doing it more effectively. And also to consider some things that we know about learning through listening, to encourage you to reflect and form some metacognitive strategies towards your listening, and also to give you some practical tips to help you learn English through listening and to improve your listening skills in general. I suppose ultimately I would like to develop your process of understanding the place of listening in your learning so that you can take more and more responsibility for that learning. So that's what this episode is all about. It's Uh, It's quite appropriate, I suppose, considering this is an audio podcast for learners of English, and you're listening to this as a way to improve your English through listening, so it's worth taking time to think about the academic points on this subject. Before we start, I would just like to say to any premium subscribers that I've got a series of episodes probably coming out next week all about grammar, focusing on tenses. We'll be looking mainly at present perfect, but also comparing it to the other tenses. So it'll be a sort of tense review, focusing mainly on present perfect. There's also going to be a series about the language which came up in my conversation with James that you heard on the podcast earlier this year. So grammar stuff coming up next week and vocabulary later. Um, So that's just for all the premium subscribers. Uh, If you want to get access to that stuff and all the other premium content, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. So recently I was thumbing through some books at work uh, and one of the books was a copy of Teaching and Learning in the Language Classroom by Tricia Hedge. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Is it? I don't know if this is part of your bedtime reading. Oh, you know, oh, early night, just go to bed and maybe do a bit of reading in bed. Let's see, what shall we read? How about Teaching and Learning in the Language Classroom by Tricia Hedge? Um, well, anyway, this it's actually something of a Bible for English teachers. A lot of teachers use this book and various others during their Delta and CELTA courses as it's absolutely filled with insights about language teaching and learning, all based on academic studies done over the years. It's a great book and covers most aspects of the work of an English teacher, including how people learn English and how, accordingly, English teachers should adapt their teaching methods. I say it's a great book. I mean, it is if you're you know, serious about becoming a teacher and you're looking at, you know, writing all of your language assessment um, essays and, you know, all those things that you have to do in the, uh, particularly the Delta qualification, then it's a great book, a great reference book. I, I don't know if it's the sort of book you would curl up in bed with. Um, it might make you fall asleep, in fact. But anyway, <clears throat> I do remember reading this book intensely while I was taking my Delta. Um, you heard me talking about the Delta course with uh, Zdenek uh, earlier this year on the podcast. So I remember reading the book very thoroughly when I was doing my Delta. Can you believe it? It, That was 13 years ago. Um, 13 years ago. It actually stuns me to imagine that it was such a long time ago. Anyway, uh, during that time, when I was taking the Delta and I had nothing else going on in my life, because when you're doing the Delta, you have to kind of like stop doing everything else and just focus on that. So I used to work, come home from work, make myself tea, and then retire to my bedroom where I would listen to ambient music and desperately try to focus on my work without getting distracted by absolutely everything else in the universe. Because somehow when you're working, everything becomes a major distraction. 
Anyway, one of the books that I used to pour over was this one. And I, it had like loads of post-it notes stuck to the pages, marking various important you know passages and stuff. So it was all these post-it notes sticking out the top. Anyway, the other day, and this is like, you know, over a decade later, I was at work and I noticed the very same book on the shelf because, you know, we've got like various different books there for, in fact, people who are doing the Delta at work. So anyway, this is one of the books that is just hanging around. So I picked it up and I started thumbing through it. You know, the expression to thumb through something. Well, you can imagine what it means to kind of slowly go through the pages um, 13 years later, my situation has changed a bit. These days, I'm doing this podcast, and the majority of the people that I'm essentially teaching English to are not in the same room as me. They're not even in the same country. And in fact, the only way I can communicate with them, with you, in fact, is through the medium of audio. So I can also write things and post pictures and videos on the website, but most of my audience don't check the website. Only about 10% actually go to the page. Anyway, the point is, it's now all about listening, which is amazing. Uh, One of my aims in the beginning when doing this podcast was to get people listening more, and it's working. I mean, I've always thought listening to English must be an essential way to learn the language. It's got to be a vital part of the learning process, surely. It's like music, there's, there's music theory and music technique and all that. But for most musicians, the best way to learn how to play well is to listen to plenty of music and to practice every day. So, But I think listening probably comes first. Then it's a, quest, a question of, of practice, 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 the five Ps, and trying to replicate what you're hearing. But first, you have to get to know what music can sound like and to hear the way it's produced. Um, when I first learned to play the drums, because I play the drums, although I haven't played recently, because I'm not in a band at the moment, but I am a drummer, basically, even though I'd still tap every, I tap all the furniture all the time and annoy everyone. So anyway, when I first learned to play the drums, um, I became obsessed with listening to my favourite drummers, who were at the time Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Stuart Copeland from The Police and Ringo Starr from The Beatles, of course. These were my three of my favourite drummers. Playing the drums at the beginning gave me a sense of sort of how the music was produced. I learnt, you know, what it felt like, how how you actually play, you know, the position you hold the sticks in and, you know, which parts of the kit you play and all that stuff. So I got an idea of how the music was produced. So I could listen to those songs and hear what the drummers were doing and I knew how they were doing it sort of I knew which parts of the kit they were hitting and how those sounds were made and for me it was all just a question of practicing until I could do it too in most cases I couldn't replicate what they were doing except in the case of Ringo I think I was able to learn how to do a basic Ringo impression with that certain style he's got and those drum rolls and things Uh, But I couldn't really replicate what Mitch Mitchell and Stuart Copeland were doing. But in practicing like that, I did develop my own style and my own kind of ease, my own technique. And ultimately, I was able to do things on the drums and play the kinds of beats I wanted to play and fit in with a band in the way I wanted. Now, obviously, listening was vital. Uh, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. You know, it sounds sort of obvious, right? I mean, to learn music, you must listen to it a lot. 
pay attention to how it all works. It's the same thing with learning a language. Obviously, there are differences. The thing about music is that you kind of understand it from birth without having to learn it first, right? It's just something you feel. Uh, whereas language is something you actually, yeah, you, you know, you need to learn what those words mean in order to understand it. But anyway, I think the point still stands that listening is a vital part of the learning process, just like it is with music. So anyway, back to this book. So um, I've got, imagine I've got the book in my hands, I've been thumbing through it, and now I'm interested in listening. And I'm interested in what Trisha Hedge has to say on the subject of listening. And I'm interested in what other academic, you know, people have said or written about listening. So when I had the book in my hands, I flicked straight to the sections about listening. And then I actually made a note of what I found there. So in this episode, I'm going to explain some of the things that I've read, uh, and I'm going to reflect on them. Okay. So this is all based on notes that I wrote um, after having sort of, you know, read through those pages about listening. You can read all of this stuff on the page for this episode, by the way. Uh, so that's for the 10% of you who actually were, uh, are going to visit the website. Um, if you're not part of the 10%, then, well, you could go to teacherluke.co.uk, find this episode and uh, in the episode archive, and then just uh, click on it and you'll be able to read pretty much everything I'm saying here. Um, from pretty much the beginning of the episode. So it's almost a full transcript, except for bits where I'm speaking off script, like this bit now. Anyway, right, so what what are the things I, I read in that book? Let's have a think about them. So academics often write that listening is overlooked in English language teaching. This is one of the things that you will read very commonly when people are writing about listening, that it's overlooked in the classroom. Think about the average English lesson. I don't know if you've attended English classes. I expect many of you will have spent time in an English language classroom. Uh, most of the time is spent on other language skills and language systems. Listening is not necessarily the first thing that you do. You'll be doing vocab, grammar, pronunciation, speaking, maybe writing, depending on the course. Listening is one of the four skills. And it's a very important part of Cambridge exams, like FCE, CAE and IELTS. Those exams give equal weight to the four skills. So listening is considered to be 20, 25% of the whole exam. Um, is 25% of your study time in class devoted to listening? I wonder. I mean, if you're a, a regular and long-term listener to this podcast, then you're probably managing to fulfill the 25% just in terms of, you know, input. Uh, but in the classroom, is 25% of the time devoted to listening? And what kind of listening is done in the classroom? The majority of classroom work is devoted to other things, probably speaking and writing skills, grammar, vocab, pronunciation. And I totally understand why. I personally, as an English teacher in the classroom, I probably wouldn't spend all my time doing listening in my English classes, it wouldn't make sense to get a bunch of learners of English together and just make them sit there doing only listening. I think class time should be spent on other things like communication skills, speaking and like remedial work by the teacher, like, you know, correction and so on. I mean, obviously, I think that listening is really, really important as we as we know. Uh, but it's hard to get the amount of listening like if you think about how much you need to listen 
It's a lot. I think you need to do lots and lots of listening. If someone signs up to an English course, they're not going to expect to just sit there and listen all the time. And if they did, then, you know, they, they would feel a bit shortchanged. And I guess that's why things like this podcast exist, to fill that kind of gap, so that there's plenty of listening content for people to hear and get the right amount of content in without having to actually be in a classroom or something. Um, so, but in, in class, yeah, we understand why they don't do listening all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact is that it, yeah, listening ends up being overlooked in that sense. Uh, listening is in a lot of course books. You do get listening exercises all the way through course books in every unit. But the focus still seems to be on certain types of listening. There, there's scripted dialogues, which are designed specifically to present certain language, such as vocab or grammar. Often the listening is given to you, yeah, just as a context in which you can then learn, uh, you know, language systems. Uh, there, there just isn't really time to do extended listening using unscripted dialogues that don't follow a pre-planned agenda. But this is the sort of thing that people need to practice listening to. Normal speech, which is a bit random, contains things like sentences that don't end, uh, false starts, moments when people talk over each other, moments of humour or spontaneous reactions and tangents in the conversation. Uh, that's the kind of listening that is probably overlooked in these sorts of course books. It's rare that you find a course book that just has some sort of bit of listening that's not been scripted in advance. I, I can only think of one course book. I think it was Clockwise, maybe Clockwise Advanced or Clockwise Upper Intermediate. And it was great. I don't think they make it anymore. I think there was just one or two editions. But it was a, it was a really great book because the audio was all totally, totally natural. There was people telling anecdotes, interviews with kind of uh, people using colloquial speech. It was great. But um, most of the time, the listening seems to be kind of fairly short and all planned out in advance and just there to provide you with, um, you know, grammar input. Um, listening is vitally important in everyday life. We know this. The majority of interactions that you will have um, will involve you speaking to a person. And so it's important to be reactive to what they're saying. And this relies on your ability to quickly follow what's being said. It's, it's like fluency in a way. Fluency, we, we normally associate that with speech and being able to kind of fluently or fluidly, you know, say all the things you want to say. But listening also involves a certain level of fluency. And that is just in the way that you need to follow exactly what other people are saying. Um, so kind of listening fluency, being able to follow fluid speech without thinking about it too much. That's obviously very important. Um, listening is also linked to pronunciation and speaking. And raising your listening skills means raising your awareness of the connection between the written word and the spoken word, meaning that a good listener is able to recognize English as an oral language. And this means being able to decode connected speech, elision of sounds, that's when sounds get cut off, uh, weak forms, that's when like little words get you know squashed, so they just maybe even just become become a little schwa sound like um you know have can can become of you know um have have you seen have you seen have you seen john today have you have you have you have you seen john today you can see it's not have you seen john today but have you seen john so that's weak forms and also how meaning is expressed through intonation and sentence stress as well 
So getting good at listening means getting to know English as a spoken language. And this in turn should help you make your English more natural rather than just a version of the written language which kind of comes out of your mouth. And that is a big problem. I mean, people kind of speaking the written version of the language. When I listen to learners of English, and I have met many thousands of them over the years, it's amazing how often their mistakes are a consequence of them essentially speaking English as it looks when it's written down. And I suppose this is just because people often learn through reading. So, so many learners of English got to know English as a written language to the point that the spoken version is so foreign to them that it's almost like another language. Um, so that's another another issue. And just basically listening more and more allows you to connect the dots between the spoken version and the written version. How much time do we spend on listening when we communicate compared compared to the other three skills? What do you think? So if we've got We've got listening and speaking. Uh, we've got reading and writing. These are the four skills. So uh, as a percentage, I mean, you know, how much time do we spend on those four things? What do you think? Well, the research shows that 9% of communication time is devoted to writing, 16% devoted to reading, 30% to speaking, and 45% to listening. And that's from work by Rivers and Temperley, um published by oxford um so that's that's straight from the book bit of research there so anyway 45% of our communication time is devoted to listening there's no doubt then that listening is really important and is perhaps the first thing you, that you must master when you're learning the language followed by speaking now that's if we decide that time spent during communication is the most important factor of course, it depends on your situation. Maybe you work in an office and you have to just write a lot of emails in English, but you never actually speak it. So I guess if, if that's the case for you, writing would be the most important thing. But anyway, the numbers, I think, speak for themselves. We seem to spend most of our time listening, but we don't spend most of our time learning uh, listening. And the result is that when we are learning, we focus on learning words, learning structures and so on. But when we actually interact with the spoken version of the language, it all seems totally weird because the way we deliver those words and structures with our mouths often bears no relation to the English that we have become familiar with during our studies, particularly when it's written down. Uh, listening will only get more important as well. Here's another point that came up. Listening is only going to get more important. It's almost definitely true that society in general is moving away from print media towards sound and maybe video. So listening has become and continues to become more and more important as we move forward. Much of our information comes through audio and more than ever before. With the internet, uh, a lot of the news that we're exposed to on social media is small video clips. We tend to send each other audio messages. We talk via Skype, via FaceTime or WhatsApp. There are frequent audio and video conferences at work. We have a plethora of podcasts available to us. And much more than ever, we are tapping into entertainment on a global level with platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime, where there are loads of English language TV programs in the original language version perhaps with subtitles in your language. The internet has allowed us to, to use listening 
as the primary source of information transfer today. So listening is more and more important all the time. Okay, so um, what do we actually know about how people can learn English from listening? How does this affect the way I can produce Luke's English podcast and how my listeners can consume uh, this podcast? We're going to start by talking about input versus intake, which is one of the things I read in the book. Input then versus intake. So we'll start with input and in fact, specifically this thing called comprehensible input. This is part of the theory of language acquisition, which I think was, I mean, most of you must know. If you if you have looked into language learning studies and stuff like that, then you must have come across the work of Stephen Krashen and language acquisition theory. So comprehensible input is part of that. Uh, it's a very popular theory. The principle is that if learners listen to English, which is understandable mostly, but slightly higher than their level, and they focus on understanding the message within a meaningful context, that they can then pick up the language as a byproduct of this process. Okay, so if you've got like, you know, you understand most of it and the, the bits that you don't understand, you've got enough context there to help you kind of effectively fill in the blanks and then kind of build upon what you already know by kind of eating into that portion that you don't know, right? So this is good news for, for Lepsters. It means that you can pick up the language from my episodes by listening carefully to the main message being communicated. And by interacting with English like this, you're, you're just naturally exposed to language and you learn the functions of phrases and grammar through context. The argument is that you, you learn a language when you can understand it. And the process of getting to fluent speech comes first through a lot of exposure to the language at the right level. And it's important that you understand most of what you hear, and that allows you to learn the new things that you are hearing. So, you know, that's just good news. Keep listening. I hope that my episodes are kind of at a basically uh, understandable level, and that there's probably a portion that you don't understand, and that's the, that's the stuff that you can sort of pick up, let's say. So that's input, fine. But then there's intake as well. And this is the principle that people only learn from the bits which are genuinely important to them, okay? So learners won't necessarily learn everything they hear. Like if you're exposed to a, an hour-long episode of this podcast uh, and you hear all of it, you're not necessarily going to learn all, all of that language. Uh, for various reasons, you're going to be selective based on your own personal motivations. For whatever reason, each person will value certain parts of the listening content more than others. Uh, and this is the stuff that they all really learn. And this means that there are certain things that will make the listeners kind of prick up their ears. And a lot, a lot of that is based on the preconceptions of the listeners, their values and things like that. For example, learners might believe that they can only learn from an authority figure like a teacher. And therefore, that person's words will carry more value and will become part of the intake, right? Right, so you've got input and then intake. Intake is the stuff that people actually focus on and that's, uh, in fact, the stuff people can learn from. On the other hand, words spoken by someone they don't respect will just go in one ear and out of the other side. It's not just respect, of course. It could be other things. For example, if a listener is an engineer, they're naturally going to be more motivated towards the language of engineering, I would say. What this means for my podcast is that I have to constantly think of ways to keep you en engaged in order to make um, 
in order to turn most of the listening input into intake. So I've, I've got to try and maximize the amount of stuff I'm saying, which is going to be specifically of interest to you. I can't always achieve that, of course. And sometimes I'll do episodes where I'm just talking about a subject that appeals to me. But in some way, I need to try and grab your attention is basically what this means. And it's, it's when I've done that, that you're much more likely to gain the language learning benefit from, from what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so it also means uh, trying to cover a wide range of topics, which I try to do, but I also think it's something to do with being personable, being kind of real and relatable while talking. I try to always address you, my listeners, and think about what it's like for you. And hopefully this keeps you focused, which is good for your English, ultimately. The point is that language should be understandable, yet not without challenge. And the content should be presented as valuable, but with the understanding that you can't please everyone all the time, that each individual brings their own personal motivation to the listening experience, which means that different parts are valuable to different people. Each person will focus their attention on slightly different parts based on their feelings and attitudes. What I can try to do is make each individual feel personally involved in any way I can. I don't know how, really. I suppose I can just say, hey, you, that, that, that's right, you with your finger up your nose. Don't do that in public. And then that person with their finger up their nose is like, oh, wow, he's speaking specifically to me. Um, if you do have, if you did, in fact, because you don't anymore, if you did have your finger in your nose, which is, you know, fine, I understand why a person would do that. Maybe there's, you know, something that, some blockage which needs to be cleared with the finger. But um, if that is you, then, you know, get in touch. T- write in the comments section, hey, that was me with my finger in my nose and uh, I, I, my, I have removed my finger now. Okay, everyone? Um, so I have to try and make each individual feel personally involved in any way I can. I believe this is done best when I address the listener directly, like the person I just talked about earlier there, and sometimes avoid speaking from a script he says, speaking while speaking from a script. <laughs> um, speaking from a script. The thing about the script, right, is that there's like, you know, two sides to that. On one side, look, um, there's the idea that uh, speaking from a script is good because then there's a transcript which the listeners can follow along with. And that can be a really good resource, as I think I'm going to come on to in a bit. But on the other side, Speaking from a script means that you end up sort of reading words that you've written down in advance, and that makes it slightly less natural. But I think when I sometimes on the podcast, I read from a script, and there's a good reason because I've prepared something like this. Sometimes I don't because uh, I want to try and keep it spontaneous. So there you go. And sometimes I'm on my own, sometimes I'm with other people. So anyway, it's I think it's more human and engaging to talk off the cuff. Also, I should keep the topics varied and also have a variety of people on the podcast. That kind of thing is important. Uh, Here are some reasons why listening is more difficult than reading. Okay. So first of all, the the language, when you're listening, the language is transient. What I mean by that is that the, the words are only audible for a moment before they disappear. You can't normally go back and listen again. I mean, if you've got a podcast player, you can skip back. But, you know, in other situations, you can't actually go back and listen again. Unlike when reading, when you can simply read the sentence again or scan the text to find something again. The the reading text is always there and you can just kind of go at your own pace. Listening comes and goes 
into the ether very quickly. You need to learn to think in a slightly different way and to get used to interacting with the listening text by remembering what's being said. So there's short-term memory and also kind of predicting what's going to come next and so on. You have to sort of try to interact with the text. And this is actually an important listening skill. This isn't written down here. I'm just kind of making, I'm just spontaneously saying this one. It's a really important listening skill. You've got to engage with the content and really think as well. So not only are you trying to hear exactly what's being said, but you're kind of using your intelligence, right? Use your head to to try and work out what's the general subject going on here. What do you think they're going to say? You know, trying to work out the attitudes of the speakers and things like that, um, as well as just listening word for word. That sort of thing, engaging with the listening on that level is very important. It really helps you to, to understand more. Um, so yes, with, you know, the difference there, reading text is just there in front of you. You can read at your own pace, but with listening, it's a different type of interaction. The written word also has a standardized spelling system, which everyone more or less follows. Also, there are gaps between words on the page and punctuation to show when one sentence begins and another one ends. And also for other little functions visually with listening, you don't get any of these things. It's, it's not standardized like writing. You're dealing with a lot of diversity in terms of accent and different ways the language can sound. And English is an extremely diverse language in which there are many equally valid versions of the spoken word. Uh, So that's why listening is more difficult than reading. And and, uh, maybe the fact that it's transient like that is one of the reasons why uh, listening is not done so much in the classroom or hasn't been done traditionally because traditional stuff it's mainly re- reading grammar stuff like that stuff that's you know you, you it's there it's it's kind of um tangible in you know in front of you whereas listening is transient it's sort of it just disappears into the ether it's harder to teach and it, it also requires technology so these are reasons probably why reading has always taken uh, the kind of precedence so what about you then? What can you do? I mean, I, this is a, although I've prepared this in advance, this is still fairly rambling stuff, just rambling on about listening and learning English. Um, but what can you do, right? This is maybe the most important thing. How, how's this going to affect your habits? Well, it's important to bridge the gap between the spoken version of the language and the written version. And I think listening to this podcast regularly helps you to do that. Um, so one way to do this, you know, to bridge this gap between the spoken and written versions is to do plenty of both listening and reading so that you're familiar with the conventions of both versions of the language. But also there are other things you can do. You could listen and read at the same time, which is, you know, a a simple and well-known thing. Um, you can get books that have CDs and you can sort of play the CD while you read the book, which is a fairly simple way of doing it. You could obviously watch your TV shows with the subtitles on. I'll be talking more about that stuff in a moment. Uh, But anything where you're listening and reading to the same things. So that includes episodes of this podcast where there are transcripts. Okay, and it's just simple. You just listen and read at the same time. You could take it further. You could do things like dictation or listen and repeat dictations. Again, you'd need audio with a script. And um, I've I've talked about this a lot. Basically, doing listen and repeat allows you to turn an interconnected stream of sounds 
So, you know, the audio that you're listening to, you, it, which is basically an in, interconnected stream of sounds that doesn't have gaps in it like you would expect if you read it on the page. So something that sounds very different to how it's written. Um, and you, you, you doing this dictation means you turn this in, interconnected stream of sounds into sentences, words, syllables, phonemes by, you know, listening and trying to repeat exactly what you've heard. Now, I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I will no doubt talk about it again, because I think it's a great technique. I've called it my TED Talk technique, I think, in the past. In fact, I've been working on some content for either this podcast or the premium podcast, which is designed specifically to use this technique. But basically, you listen to some audio that has a script. You repeat what you hear bit by bit. So you play a little sentence and you pause and you try and repeat exactly what you've heard. Then you compare it to the script that you have in front of you and you can see if it's the same, you know, is that what you said? Uh, Is that what you heard? And you can kind of start to bridge that gap. You can then do things like use a pen with the script to mark emphasis, to mark intonation, to mark connected speech or pauses on the script and then record yourself reading out the script. And then try to replicate the main ideas without reading. So after you've recorded yourself reading it with all the marks and stuff, um, and you practice delivering it like that, you then put put the script away, don't read anything anymore. And in your own words, try to sort of uh, say the same things that have been said on that script. Um, Okay, now... um, just replicate the main ideas without reading. It doesn't matter if you say it differently. It's not a memory test. You just have to try and communicate the main ideas in your own voice. And you might find that you remember some of the lines that you repeated before. You can also try writing down what you're hearing and comparing that to the script as well. All of it can help you turn fluent speech into into individual words, phrases and sentences, helping you work on pronunciation and speaking skills too. So that's the kind of, what, the TED Talk technique or the listen and repeat drills that you can do. And I do that on the podcast uh, in the premium version at the end. Every single episode's got some listen and repeat drills. Um, So we know that we tend to understand what we hear more when we are engaged in the subject. This is that idea of intake, turning input into intake. So this means that you should think about the topic being talked about and perhaps predict some of the things that you're you're going to hear. Basically, before you listen to something, just take a moment to make sure that you are intellectually and perhaps emotionally engaged in that subject. Find some way to relate uh, it to yourself personally. Use your imagination to picture the whole subject, issues relating to it, and the things which might be said. We know that this helps you to listen more accurately, rather than just going straight into the listening cold. Um... Uh, phonetics, the pronunciation. You should really learn the phonetic chart and practice it. I know that most of you don't want to. Phonemes, you know, those are those little symbols that represent the different sounds that we use when we speak English. The phonetic or phonemic chart. I I think you should learn it now at this stage. If you're listen, if you're a regular listener to this podcast and you really want to learn English and you you know you're doing things like sending an email to me saying how do I learn the British accent. Well, first things first, I would recommend looking at the phonemic chart and learning it. Because this is, this is, these are the building blocks. This is the palette of sounds that we use. And you need to be familiar with what they are, uh, you know, how you say them, how they sound, 
and when they are cropping up in different words and things like that. Okay, so you can do this with an app or you can just do do it with a dictionary. Uh, you can get an app. For example, there's one, I think it's just called Sounds. I think it's produced by Macmillan and it's called Sounds. And then there's also Sounds Right by the British Council. So if you just search for Sounds or Sounds Right, I, on my phone, I have the free version of Sounds somewhere in my phone. Here it is. That sounds the pronunciation app by Macmillan and they've got like little practice tests practice taster let's do some listening here um mirror. oh did you hear that it said mirror so oh okay I've got to write out mirror uh mm, mm is the first letter next one is i here it is I. R, r, r. so we need to go down to the consonant and find the r okay uh, m, uh, I, r. And then it's it's mirror, uh, uh, uh. What's that? Mirror. That's a schwa. Uh. Okay, let's see. Mirror. Yeah, I got it right. So let's go on to the next one. Ready? Lamb. 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 It's a, it's a kind of animal. It's also a kind of meat. A baby sheep. Lamb. So obviously that's l first. That's an L sound. L. L. It's not really an L sound. It's a L sound, actually. Ah is the next one. So where's ah? Here it is. Ah. Mm. Now, the, the word is spelled L-A-M-B, but the B is silent. It's just lamb. It's not lamb. So it's just m mm at the end. Lamb. So mm. Mm. <laughs> Okay, let's check. Lamb. Okay. So you can just keep going through, and there's there's reading ones, there's listening ones, there's writing ones. So there's ones where you have to read a phonemic script and then type out in normal letters what it is. There's ones where you have to, um, you you read a word in normal letters and you have to type it as phonemic script and then you check and, you know, other things like that. There's also a chart, which is quite fun to play with. You know, it's just got all the sounds. So you can, you can swear. Obviously, the first thing that you do, you know, with the first thing you do when you get a dictionary, you look up all the rude words, right? Well, the first thing that I do when I get... The sounds app out open is I try and make it swear. Let's see if I can do this. It. Okay. It. It. Uh, we need sh. sh. There we go. And i. I. And. T. Okay. Shit. Shit. Mm. Shit. <laughs> okay. I need to practice that a bit more. But anyway, it's fun to play around with it. I mean, it's a bit weird. If you're in your bedroom, you know, studying English and you're doing, you, you know, you're doing all of this. Uh, oh, 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 uh, uh, and someone walks past your bedroom door and all they can hear is you going. Uh, 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 and they're going to think, what, what is, what's going on in there? So obviously, you know, you might want to use headphones. But anyway, you get an app like that. That's Sounds or Sounds Right by the British Council. Get the app, do all the exercise exercises, learn the phonemic alphabet, the phonetic script. With a dictionary, you can pretty much do the same thing. You pick pick a word that you know and just write it out with phonemic symbols, right? And then check the dictionary and there'll be a phonemic transcription in the dictionary and you can see if you're doing it right. So, you know, do that um, and learn the phonemic alphabet. The, the, these are the basic building blocks of English, and they can really help you to break down, recognize, and replicate sounds and words and so on. Um, it's not just about words. It's not just about phonemes and words, though. It's also about sentences. 
and um, when you have a sentence, you have emphasis in a sentence, and that affects things like the rhythm and the intonation of that sentence. So when you're repeating sentences, pay attention to the emphasis. Which word in a sentence is being emphasized and why? When you repeat, try to say the whole sentence like a word with the emphasis on the same part that you heard it. So the whole sentence becomes like a word with all the sounds joined up and emphasis in one main point. This can help you not only learn good sentence stress, which arguably is the most important factor in pronunciation, but also can help you identify the key information when you're listening. You should also listen to a variety of things, as you know. Different genres of audio tend to follow their own macro script, meaning that they follow the same kinds of conventions. For example, listening to the news, you'll notice certain things that they always say. For example, at the end of an interview on the news, they, they, they say thank you. They say, like, the, a conversation on the news ends in a way that it doesn't end in any other situation. If you've met someone at work in the corridor and you say, oh, sorry, could you just, um, can you send me that report again? I just, I can't find the copy. Um, all right, nice one. See you later. Bye. See you at the meeting. Okay, but on the news, it's like they'll say, well, that concludes our interview for today. Luke Thompson, thank you. You know, just that's just one specific example, but all the way through the way in which English is used in the news and any other typical sort of genre of thing, they have their own conventions. So you've got to learn all these sorts of things. You've got to hear different genres of audio sports reports they have their own characteristics political speeches have got their own style and certain sort of structures and beats that they always use a radio drama sounds unmistakably like a radio drama an academic lecture sounds like an academic lecture etc so you've got to get used to recognizing certain conventions of different types of audio recording especially if you're going to be taking a test so listen to a variety of audio but also listen to the same thing again and again. Listen to your favourite English podcast every day for a month. I mean, I don't mean the same episode 30 times. Uh, but, you know, y- you could listen to an episode every day if you can stand it. Some people do. I often get uh, emails from people saying, um, you know, I started listening to your podcast six months ago and I listen to an episode every day and I'm, I've nearly got to, you know, I've nearly caught up with you. A lot of people do that, it, it's, and they report very good results. Um, so, so yeah, listen to your favourite English podcast every day for a month, and you should wait about a month before you make a judgment on how it's affecting your English. I mean, I, for some reason, I don't know why it is. Some, some, some of my students at school at the British Council will be listening to this, and if that's the case, hello. Hello to my British Council students and like seriously well done for listening to this because I, I, I don't know, do I talk about it to my students? Sometimes, but not as much as I, as I could. Um, and that's just because, I don't know, only in every class, only a portion of the class will actually listen and the rest of them just not really interested. And uh, I, I actually have some students and I feel like they... Um, like they feel like if, if it's, if you, if I can't learn all the stuff I need to learn from this one hour episode, this single episode that you've asked me to listen to, if this is not going to solve all my problems, I'm just not going to listen to it at all. And the idea of listening to an hour a week is just out of the question. Listening to an hour of the day is like, are you mad? Do you know, do you know how much time I have? Um, 
And uh, so, what, what am I talking about? What was I talking about? Yeah, that's it. The idea of listening to a month's worth before you make a judgment is the thing. Because um, it's not, listen. you know, listening to just one episode isn't going to make a huge difference. But listening to many episodes regularly over a longer period, this is what makes the difference. And it's a compound effect. And to an extent, it's not even noticeable. You might not even notice the effect it's having uh, over a couple of weeks, but you've got to keep it up. And this is one of the main issues today, I think. People want instant, measurable results. But the reality is that language learning occurs over time and is sometimes not noticeable. It sort of happens under the surface. But you have to be in it to win it. And if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So keep listening every day for at least a month I'm probably preaching to the converted here because if you're a regular listener to this, you don't need to know this. But anyway, I suppose it's just stuff I've learned about listening from reading this book and also just from thinking about it with my head, right? Uh, that It's got to be long-term and, and regular. And if you do that, then you'll see that suddenly you can understand more and more and a whole new world of English can open up for you. A whole new world. Also, you've got to listen to things you, you enjoy and are really motivated to hear. And this helps to turn input into intake. So you could do something like Google BBC podcasts, right? And then you'll find the, um, like, what do you call it? Just the homepage for BBC podcasts. And they have podcasts on bloody everything. So look through all the many podcasts the BBC uh, produce. And you're bound to find one on a subject that's vaguely interesting to you. So that's, you know, it's important. Uh, listen several times, so listen to episodes more than once, and this is a this this makes a massive difference because what you don't catch the first time, you definitely catch the next time, and the more you listen, the more you're familiar, the more stuff sticks in your head. Um, it's true, it's tried and tested. Um, movies and TV series, a lot of people. This is just the first thing you hear, which it always leaves me scratching my head a little bit when um, I meet people who've got pretty good English, like in France. And I'll say, wow, your English is pretty good. How did you learn it? And they just, I just watched Netflix. It's like, really? That's it? That's, is that all you did? I don't know if there's more going on there. But it's a commonly held belief um, that to learn English, you just watch Netflix with the subtitles, right? I just, I hear this every day. And, I'm, you know, obviously it's going to help. It's going to help, but I, there's got to be a bit more to it than that. I think you you can't assume that TVs TVs um it's not the TV so much as the stuff you watch on it right I mean if you just have a TV in the house it's not necessarily going to make a difference it's not like a like a magic box that sort of imports language into your head um what am I saying don't assume that movies and TV series are the best things to listen to first of all in movies for example they tend to focus on the visuals first there's a lot of visual storytelling uh, there's music and other sound effects which actually get in the way. It can be really difficult to understand films in English. Sometimes the dialogue is so naturalistic that it's kind of impossible to follow. Often I actually can't hear what's being said in films, in movies. I'll be in the cinema, for example, and often I can't really follow what's being said, to be honest. So I think audio podcasts are probably better because they're made for you and you can just focus on the English exclusively. But of course, if you like watching films in English, don't let me stop you. If you're a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example, then go ahead and watch Avengers Endgame in English twice. 
uh of course i i'm not going to um sort of what i'm not going to say don't do that you should definitely do that um subtitles watch out for subtitles just think about the subtitles watching netflix with english subtitles is something that everyone assumes is a great idea and it is good uh, you can read what you're hearing you can notice the way the written language is expressed in speaking you can pick up new words and phrases when you see them for example but working on listening skills alone it's important to try some other ideas for example try to spend some time listening without subtitles and then you can rewind and listen to that section again with subtitles and see what you've learned to see what you've understood um Use subtitles or scripts after you've listened in order to identify which bits you got and which bits you didn't. But don't get too used to always having subtitles when you listen, because this means that you don't develop proper listening skills. And also, in real life, people don't walk around with subtitles underneath them. Also, don't feel that you always have to have the subtitles on or off. You know, it's not just, let's watch the whole episode with the subtitles on, or let's watch this whole movie with the subtitles off. You can switch between having them on and having them off. You could even do 10 minutes and 10 minutes. Uh, watching several, watching scenes several times with and without subtitles. And good learners of English actively use TV and films and think outside the box a little bit. It's not just a case of switching Netflix to English and then just relaxing on your sofa. You might need to sort of play around with the controller a little bit. Another thing is this. If you listen to podcasts a lot, then you're immediately pushing yourself ahead of your peers, the people around you, who don't do this. So just think of the advantage that you're getting over other people who just don't do any listening. Um, Motivation, reducing anxiety and building confidence. Um, obviously three very important things in learning a language listening a lot can really help you with these things because you become friends with the spoken word imagine if you are if you are a regular and long-term lepster and if you actually are a regular and long-term lepster you won't need to imagine if you're a first-time listener then you just imagine that you're a long-term listener and you have to do a listening test now you've got other people around you in the test room they're probably panicking because listening is a nightmare for them. But for you, it's like you're entering your comfort zone because you listen to audio all the time, sometimes quite difficult things. So you should make listening your friend. Get to know the spoken version of the language. Take the, take the spoken version of the language to the pub and buy it a pint and a packet of crisps. And then you can get a leg up on the competition, basically. So, I mean, finally, my, the point is this. I mean, I suppose I've talked a lot about the importance of listening and as I said earlier, I've, prob- I've probably been preaching to the converted to an extent that you're probably already convinced that listening is a good idea. But let's summarize by saying these things. So listen a lot. Yay! This is probably good news because if you're a regular listener to this podcast, then you just need to keep going and keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but listen to various things. I'll try and keep it varied here, but consider checking out some other things. Uh, check out BBC podcasts on different subjects and just shop around a bit. Um, use some techniques like listening and repeating audio that has a script and learning the phonemic script. But ultimately, just relax and enjoy the process. Take time to reflect personally on what you're listening to and just enjoy yourselves. So there you go. It ends on fairly good news. Just keep going and be happy. Basically, live long and prosper. Um, be excellent to each other and party on. 
That's the message in the end. Now, I'm sure that many of you have some interesting things to add here uh, on this subject, either stories of how you've improved your English through listening or specific things that you do relating to learning through listening. So please add your comments under this episode. Your input is extremely valuable because as well as all the academic studies and things that underpin many of the things in this episode, it's the testimony and personal experience of people who've learned English to a decent level that is what counts. So please tell us your stories, give us your thoughts regarding learning through listening, and thank you for listening to this. All right, folks? Um, So that pretty much brings us to a close. I hope you've enjoyed recent episodes. I think the ones with Amber and Paul I did lately were good. I, I enjoyed recording and editing those, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them as much as as, as we did, as I did. Again, a reminder that there's new premium content coming next week. It's all about grammar. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, present perfect tense, which is a notoriously difficult one uh, to get right. It's got many different little difficult things about it. And also we're going to be comparing it to all the other tenses. So we're going to look at present perfect, present perfect continuous, past simple, past continuous, past perfect, also present tenses as well. So it's going to be a tense review, hopefully a, a like a tense review, not a tense review. It'll be a tense review, not a tense review. Do you know the difference? Can you hear the difference? If something is uh, a tense review, that means it's going to be a review of tenses. If something is a tense review, it's going to be a review which is tense. Ooh. So hopefully it won't be a tense review. It's just going to be a tense review. Yes. Okay. That's enough, Luke, now. Okay. This is a serious episode. No room for stupid jokes like that here. Sorry. Serious. Uh, but anyway, check out the new premium stuff coming soon. Uh, and if you want to get all the premium content for the price of basically like a coffee or a beer from you to me every month, then just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium and you can sign up there and you can listen to the episodes in the Luke's English podcast app, which is available free from the internet. Uh, you can join the mailing list on my website as well. And that way you'll get a little uh, email with a link in your inbox when I upload new stuff onto the website. And usually that's episodes of the podcast, but sometimes it's other stuff that only goes on the website. Like, for example, when I'm interviewed on other people's podcasts and things like that. Um, follow me on social media. I'm usually just use Twitter these days. I'm at English Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic uh, weekend. If indeed you do have a weekend in front of you, just when it, whenever the next weekend is coming, I hope it's great. And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.